I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, some pennies and a really beautiful and inspiring book, A Whimsical Map for Living. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 372, How to Be a Wildflower. Gotta love that. And that is in reference to the title of a book that I'm going to talk about in the second half of the show. And the first half of the show is kind of diametrically opposed. It's kind of somehow just the opposite. But that's sort of how things fell. That's how the cookie crumbled. Heads up, tails up, how the penny fell. Because there are some pennies here. So back-to-back shows, that had been my grand plan. The show was ready, but it just didn't quite turn out that way. I sometimes think if I just talked to you live and didn't let myself hem and haw and edit and cut, life with the podcast would be easier and definitely faster. And really, if we just sat around a table somewhere. That's how real talk happens. Sometimes you say something that's not quite right, or that doesn't come out right, or that isn't quite clear, and you have to try again. Or sometimes you say something that you wish you hadn't, but it's kind of there. It kind of just happened. Recording here is obviously different because I have the ability to think about it after the fact and just not say some of the things that I said. So I don't go back and re-record, but I do go through and cut and cut and sometimes cut some more. So I guess it boils down to trust. Maybe it boils down to hindsight. Maybe it boils down to having better sense when you listen back through I keep trying to make myself just live with the fact that you probably don't hear every word anyway. I know how I listen to shows. I know how I listen to books on tape. I miss probably a lot. My attention goes in and out. So I really know that's the fact. It's not like a book where you can go back and say, oh, look right there. She said it this way. It is different. It's just talk. And it is in no way supposed to be something cemented in this world. But I still can't seem to shake it. I knit my way through my last edit. I have tried that before with not so much success. But I did it the last time. I didn't knit something complicated. I do have something complicated that I'm working on. And I just cannot bear to have to start that thing over at this point again. So I knit on something mindless, something that last year I decided I really needed something that I could just pick up anytime, anywhere, 
in the car for a few minutes. I didn't need a tracking sheet to know where I was. It didn't matter if I knew what row I was on. I could just pick it up and knit. And so I picked it up while I was editing. And I think it was actually a really good thing because I kind of just let myself listen. It doesn't mean I didn't edit, but I probably was a little less, oh, cut happy. Today, I spent time trying to figure out how to best approach blurring parts of my images. And yes, I know there are a dozen or so apps with blur in the title. But even as I was messing around, I kept thinking, gee, how much time would I save if I didn't do this? If I just posted and realized that people don't really care to read everything that's in someone's image. They just care about the look. That's all I care about. I just care about the look. Unless I'm in a situation where the assumption and the expectation is that I'm going to read more closely, that I'm going to provide some kind of feedback or some kind of support or encouragement or accountability. But in general, with the thousands of journal type pages I see on Instagram, I just love to see the look. That is so exciting to me, just the look of it. Just this juxtaposition of images and text and lettering, block lettering, outline lettering, solid lettering, script, archetype text. I love to see all of that. I love to see the color, the arrangement, the gridding, whether it's obvious or not, that kind of layout and design. I love it just makes me happy to see those kinds of pages that are just full of life, full of life in this combined textual and visual way. So I know it would be better if I could just say, hey, this is what it looks like. What if I just recorded and didn't cut out big chunks? I just let go. Just let go and trusted that if you're here listening, you're here listening just because you enjoy the talk, the talk of it all. When I recorded my other show, my gift certificate order had not yet arrived. It came after that and it was exciting opening things up and I snapped photos along the way because of course unboxings are a thing, but no, I didn't do any kind of unboxing. I did snap those pictures, but I didn't share them. It was super exciting though. And all in all, I think I was pretty successful and I feel good about that. I think I did okay on the colored ink front, which is where I had spent a good bit of the waffling time. If I had to just pick one though, I ordered three colors. If I had had to just pick one, I don't know what I would have selected. And I don't know even now that I have them, which one would really have been the best choice. That's a kind of strange sensation because in this case, all three makes me really happy and satisfied and content about it. But just one 
Well, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know what that says about me. I hate what that says about me. So they're nice. They work together well. They give me a bit of range. They are somehow weirdly inviting me to bring in some other color. They just kind of call for a few other colors. I even pulled over the container of old markers this morning, which are nicely in one place because of the giant pen sort that I did recently. And I added some color to something and I feel like there are these little ripples somehow being opened up in this journal as it unfolds. And it's exciting. Yes, it's disorienting because it feels like there's this shifting and it's somehow a little bit scary. Yes, I don't know. These markers are mostly old. Well, they're all old. They're very old. They are mostly from Matthew because some of you may recall the many years of Tombow marker drawings in a little bag. It was a little Lego Knight's Kingdom bag that was full of Tombow markers that he used. And a Tombow marker or two at the time was something we could go to Flax for. Flax is no longer where it used to be. But when he was growing up, it was such a nice thing to do. So these are old markers of his. He moved way beyond Tombow, of course, but, and I was never a marker person. So they're old markers and they survived the pen sort. But I noticed today when I was pulling out the couple of colors I needed, and I don't have all the colors by any means. I actually don't have the colors I would typically even use, but I had what I needed for this little bit of color I was adding. But as I pulled them over, I noticed that some of them really didn't work. And you're thinking, well, you just sorted, you tested and sorted. And indeed I did. So that they didn't work means that probably the other end works. The end that you could write with, I wouldn't use that end to draw with or color in things. You know, it's just always something. It's always something so much easier to just work with black. So it was mostly successful. The red, orange colors, really nice additions. I don't know what it is. They just, right now they're kind of soothing. They have pop and they have brightness and intensity. They have a lift and that I think is part of it. They have lift. They bring lift to the page. Now the one is a more rust shade. I was really trying to avoid rust and I am not a brown person. You won't find anything from me in brown, but it is a good color in combination I almost didn't get it because some people did describe it with the word rust, which really concerned me, but I kind of like it so far. I'm letting it settle in and seeing how I feel. Overall, I feel good about the orange reds. The one downer was the black ink. I even hate to say it, the black ink. Yes. Super disappointed. And I did spend a good bit of time. There were two things I really considered. There are two inks that I actually really use. I considered two different inks instead. I bought one and wow, I guess I am really a stickler with my black ink. So 
Next time I will go back to what I already know that I like. I filled my pen with it, so I am using it, but I'm not, I'm not liking it. So yes, remember folks, the grass is not always greener. Sometimes what you know you like is what you really should just stick with. One tricky thing about the colored inks, though, is that they're not waterproof, of course. And almost as soon as I started working with them that first day, I somehow ended up with a wet sleeve. Somehow the big overshirt I was wearing had a wet sleeve from the kitchen. And as I started working in my journal, I ended up smudging, smearing, liquefying my writing. The risk of inks that aren't water resistant. It stresses me out. It definitely has been part of the reason I didn't want to move over to colored ink. And I know that sounds weird because thousands of people do it. But even if I write you a postcard and I use one of these inks and it happens to rain where you are, it isn't going to make it intact. They are that sensitive to water. And they don't just fade. For the most part, many of these inks kind of vanish with water. So that risk is real. And I'm trying to just not think about it. Well, I mean, I'm always thinking about it. I'm trying to just go with the flow, embrace the color, and the moment of happy that I feel when I see the pages with color I'm just trying to go with it and enjoy the saturation, the richness, the beautiful, right now, red oranges. And the colors I'm finding that I really like to complement that. So it's a good time of year to make those decisions because, yeah, I probably will ask for an ink or two. It's true. My family knows pretty much. If you're going to make me say something, it's probably going to be pen and ink. Last week in rummaging in a pile on the table, and this pile on the table is causing a real problem for me, but in rummaging, my eyes hit upon a few of my postcards. And I thought, I wonder if I've sent one of those to this person or that person. And I had this moment, it's like a flash, this moment of self-admiration, because yes, you should admire what you do, and it should make you happy when you see what you do. And it was a moment because even in seeing the colors, the bold colors and the bold black and white, and the outlines and all of it together, I smiled because I really loved that whole thing. And I pulled the stack out thinking maybe I'd put a full set there, because I tend to do that. I tend to take a full set and then Unfortunately, I don't put it away somewhere safe where I know where it is. So I thought, well, maybe this is my full set. But as I held them in my hand, I didn't even really look through them. As I sort of held this group thing, I suddenly realized that those were not postcards at all. Those cards are my iCads from this summer. Just a couple of them. Why I have those couple out, I don't know. Probably I was taking a photo somewhere near the end of iCAD. It was a yikes moment because those are the originals. I'm pretty protective, even if careless, of the originals. They're the only copies right now. And it was disorienting because 
for whatever reason, when I saw them, I thought, oh yeah, those are postcards. I wonder if I sent that person that card yet. I only send a couple of people postcards with any regularity. And I always think that I'll be a really good and organized person and keep a list. And I do have a list, but sometimes I don't actually get everything recorded and I send things out and you probably get duplicates from me. But they do look like drawings that I would have printed on postcards. And I would love to. I love printing postcards. Until this Inktober, I think the summers I had, the last weeks of it especially, I think that that was, is my favorite series ever. And this Inktober is really special to me. They're different. They're incredibly different. So summer ICAD, it's pretty special. And I sort of wish that every day was an awesome black ink drawing portrait with bold colored accents all around it, especially in yellow, red, blue, green, and orange. I kind of wish I was doing that every day. I can kind of see me doing that every day and that just being my thing, my shtick, my ballywick, whatever. I have felt the tug of that, even though it feels, I don't know, I kind of rebel against it a little bit, but I enjoyed it so much. On the flip side, I'm so enjoying just the black and white right now of Inktober. But of the two, those colored ones, those would be such great postcards because postcards are just fun. The black and white of Inktober, that's been a real pull. And yet I talked about the fact that I almost did something really different in November. And I talked just a few minutes ago about the journal pages. And so there's this real tug of war going on for me. I feel so overwhelmed by how much is out there really and how little time we have. And I don't know, I think it's really hard to figure out how you really want to focus your work and also to figure out the balance between what really has value and meaning to you and how other people do respond because there's definitely a feedback loop, which is really important for some of us. I definitely acknowledge that it is important for me. So I don't know, because in the weirdest way, I have been totally envisioning just having an Instagram account, which is very different in the journaling space, in the illustrated journaling space. Yes. But something that is at once more real, more basic, more down to earth, more humble, maybe, Although the people I follow who have streams that are somewhere on the spectrum of where my head is at with this, they don't have humble streams at all. So I don't know. I'm really trying to think about it because that other side of me, the the more formal side doing these portraits, I love that so much that I just don't think I can move away from it. And definitely, even though I'm not a super fan of what I did for 30 inks, 30 days, I was still doing portraits every day and in October for Inktober, I've for the most part been doing portraits every day. That's what I want to be doing every day. Some of the prompts really haven't let me do that, but 
I don't know that I cannot do that. And yet I really want this other half and I want them to be in balance. I want to be able to do both. So really, while I say I'm envisioning this other kind of stream, I really want to do both. But I don't know that I can do them together. And I don't know that I have time to do both. I am doing both right now. But I'm only pushing one of those through my stream. I don't know. I don't know. I need to sit and have coffee and a scone or something with somebody and just kind of talk and say, look, this is what I like and what I want to do. And these are all the accounts that so excite me. And I don't want to do what they're doing, but I want to be in that space. I have my own approach. I know that. And that's really important to me, authenticity and being true to my own line and my own aesthetic. That's really important for me. So, and you can see that always with my portraits. I really do try and always be true to myself. So I don't know, a journal space. I mean, talk about trust issues. And this journal space, this whole thing, you know, the 50 before 50 journal, which I've talked about a lot. That journal is a a weekly thing that I work on daily. And if that makes any sense, but that's been months, (laughs) it's been weeks, week 18, week 19, whatever we're in. And I'm still kind of mulling it over and trying to find apps and ways to blur things out. I just, it has so many layers that you really have to think through. How many of those 50-50 pages have I really showed? Well, a lot because I showed them in a grid, which is way zoomed out, which I'm really hoping people don't zoom in and try and figure out. Plus, a journal stream would be so diametrically opposed to the portrait work. And I feel like I'm always so dichotomous, so much at opposite ends of the spectrum at the same time. That is a really, it's a strange space to be. It's a strange headspace. It feels fractured. I don't know other people who are always doing these other things all at the same time and want to talk about those things. So, you know, I'm looking for some kind of middle ground, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what January will bring, but got to get through these next two months first. Those are going to be a little hodgepodge, probably. I think I'm going to talk a little more about November and series next, not this show. But when I grab those cards, not realizing that they're the originals and they're the only copies, I did have a moment of puzzlement and also a moment of, wow, just a few months ago, I did those wasn't that long ago at all. Now, yes, I do wish that selling postcards had worked better. I do. Series two cards, those were from the sunglasses series, mostly sunglasses series and rainbow hair. That might be the only regular pen and ink. Let's just say that the few people I send postcards to are going to be getting those same designs over and over for a long time to come. So postcards are at least easy to mail. That is a good thing. But the new ways that the machines process them during sending tends to obscure the note you write. I have now been shown this a couple of times, and it took me a while to understand that it's happening at the top 
and the bottom. I tend to, if I'm going to mail you a postcard, I really fill it. And the machine processing is interrupting that, making it either hard to read or impossible to read. And I think that's unfortunate. I do. The rate of postage these days, here's my rant, the rate of postage these days (laughs) makes sending things really out of reach in a lot of ways. Postcards are fine, but the rate of postage is just crazy. And I know some people mail things like it's nothing. I know, I know, I know, I know we're not all in the same place. I find postage frustrating. I sent a single pair of socks to my son. He loves patterned and funky socks, which I think is fantastic. And my mom had bought a multi-pack this summer when she was here and she gave him part of them. And then we put some away thinking I could just send, you know, one a week for a while as he settled into college. Just a bit of a surprise. It costs so much to send one pair of socks, first class, that it made it totally more than I would ever even spend for a pair of socks. I'm not kidding. It was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. So I think postage is a problem. Crazy. Crazy. Things you could use to mail in an envelope for a dollar or two now cost four. Definitely a sign of the times. Definitely frustrating. Definitely makes it harder to reach out across the miles. Postcard, postcard stamp, that works. That works. Just hope it doesn't rain because then the ink is going to wash away all of what I write to you. And when I was left packing up and mailing a commissioned painting that Matthew did this summer, (laughs) the clerk didn't like my packing, although really my packing was fine, but I needed to insure it. And he gave me a bit of a hard time and I wasn't sure what to do. So I think I kind of might've got suckered, but it cost me more than $70, 70 to send the one painting. And I was only sending it like 45 miles. I could have driven it there and back for you know, a half a tank of gas. 70. Add to that the cost of canvas and paint and then all the time that was involved. And I'm going to say, ouch, I'm going to say, ouch, on behalf of this whole process, because that's a really grounding moment somehow when you think about selling your art. On the flip side, This is going to be a funny conversation. So I hope you realize I'm not in any like dangerously bad or sad space. But all of this kind of comes together in this full circle way for me, because I just have to say, and I have to say it because I'm so shocked at myself. And yet somehow all of this feels kind of so important to our time and our age, day and age place in the world. And I'm not going to cut all this out. I promise I managed to buy treats at the bakery twice recently. I don't even usually go to the bakery, but I managed to buy treats twice using change. We have jars and jars of change sitting around. You probably do too, right? You come home with change, you toss it on the table, and then ultimately it ends up in a drawer or a little box or a jar. So you get little bits of change everywhere, or maybe you have a piggy bank. 
Maybe your bank is shaped like a dog or a bear or whatever, but maybe you just use mason jars or jelly jars or peanut butter jars or the things you've recycled and you fill up then. You fill them with pens like I do, and you might also throw your change in them. So we have this change and no way to use it, right? Because it's embarrassing to use change. I know it's embarrassing to walk in and say, okay, $5, I'm going to pay you in pennies. That's embarrassing. And when I say it, I put myself back as a young adult or even a teenager and I cringe because, oh my goodness, it sounds like something my grandparents would have done and advocated and I would have just felt like dying. And now I've done it because it shouldn't be embarrassing. I'm old enough now to say it shouldn't be embarrassing, but it is. And I know it is. I even sorted that change into nice little baggies so that it was easy. I could say, okay, here's a dollar. And what prompted this? Well, yes, all the change. But then when my mom was here and we did her birthday list and she wanted an apple fritter at the beach and coffee. So We went to this bakery, we got an apple fritter and coffee, and we went and sat at the beach. And I'm not sure I'd ever tasted an apple fritter. It's just not the kind of thing I would ever get. doesn't sound like me. I don't have a sweet tooth per se, but I tasted her apple fritter and oh, it was so amazing. So it's just been on my mind. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get an apple fritter. I just, I needed a self treat recently. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I thought, okay, I'm going to use the change. And there are two different versions of the same bakery in two different close by spots. So the one day that I went in to get one, that person counted out every bit of change I gave her. And the other time, different place, they didn't. So I had them in these bags to make it easy. That way they wouldn't get frustrated with me. And I wasn't going to use that much at a time. I think the first time I might have used $3 and the second time I might have used 5 So I feel ancient and I sound ancient and it's totally embarrassing, right? And that second time I did it, I was going to have my son go in while I sat in the car and pick up and pay for the treats on the way home, the way home from school. And one of my kids I know would never in a million years have done this. There is absolutely no way. But I thought this kid would. (laughs) I didn't expect the pushback. I really didn't. It was definitely a no way moment. Can you do it? (laughs) Why are we embarrassed to use our pennies? Why? Because it is embarrassing. I'm going to keep saying that because it is, even though I've done it, it kind of still is. It is embarrassing to use our pennies because being willing to use our pennies seems to say something. Seems to say something. Something maybe that we don't want to admit or that we don't want to say. It seems to suggest something, something that might not even be true because you probably have all these pennies no matter who you are. Next time I need new tires because of a staple, yeah, a staple, I think I'll pay in pennies. That would be so satisfying somehow. A thousand dollars that I can't afford in pennies. Forget the apple fritter. Let's save for tires or brakes or toasters or washers 
all these things that break. I don't know how we're going to be able to carry all those pennies in. I'm joking. Of course, I'm joking. But the whole thing is definitely made me think about why we find it embarrassing or uncomfortable or awkward. Why we care. And yes, I know that there are change machines. Yes, I know. If you've listened to this whole thing and you're thinking, I cannot believe she paid in pennies. There's no way I would do that. I'd just go to the change machine. Well, you know, the change machine charges like we tried that this summer. Matthew was going to do it before he went to school. He gathered up all his pennies and he wanted to go cash everything in. And I think it was, I could be wrong on this. I think it was 12 or 12 and a half percent, 12 percent fee. That kind of surcharge doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, unless you do have enough pennies to pay for your tires. I am incredibly proud of myself for using the pennies. If anybody ever really comes here to hear about this book I'm going to talk about, they're going to be like, oh my goodness, this person is deranged. And I'm not. I'm not at all. I am really, really down to earth, which makes this book a nice counterbalance. So today is not about pennies at all. Not about pennies at all. And yeah, I feel a twinge bad that it's kind of a downer conversation, although I think of it more as a slightly humorous conversation. Maybe it just felt funny to you. The most you'll probably ever get from me is a postcard. I guess I could use pennies to mail the next pair of socks. Really, what I've decided to do is I hold them if he ever comes home. I'm kidding. When he comes home, I wrap him up. I put a don't open until this date and tuck him back in his bag or something so that he gets a pair of socks at some other point. And I just avoid the mail. Luckily, I cleaned out enough pennies that I felt a bit of fresh air. I don't know why I needed to do it, but it was good. I think I've gotten it out of my system. <laughs> right along with the pen sort, it was kind of like a pennies sort. And I'm just saying, every time I talk about pennies, I think of the Find a Penny show. I I don't want to go back and listen to it. It's one of my favorite shows in my head ever. I think I said, find a penny, pick it up, maybe like, I don't know, 500 times. And then I think about being at the Yoda Fountain just a couple months ago this summer to kick off my 50 before 50 list. Pennies. I mean, pennies, they're really important. Pennies. Pennies have the power of a wish. They're tiny bearers of possibility as they lay there at the bottom of a wishing fountain, water folding across them in ways that transform their shape, copper glistening in the light. Pennies. You want to know what color a penny is? Copper. True. But red orange. Yeah, kind of. Of sorts. Find a penny, pick it up. But today's book is How to Be a Wildflower, a field guide by Katie Daisy. And I think some of you may know this one. It was totally new to me. And it ended up in my stack, along with the book that I talked about in episode 370, Nature Anatomy. This book is totally different from that one, even though they ended up in the pile at the same time. Totally different. And I loved it. I'll preface this by saying that this book brought to mind the experience of reading books by Carrie Smith, especially Wander Society and the book on being an explorer. 
this book, it's a breath of fresh air. I'm going to tell you to go and check this book out. I'll tell you that first. Hopefully your library has it. Let's see. I have it in front of me, so I'm going to make noise. I'm going to check the date. Let's see. And I'm going to do this and slow it all down because this makes this makes it a little bit less polished. And I'm really pushing myself to just be less polished. That's kind of a funny thing. That's not what most people do. Uh, 2016. So I don't know. I don't know why I had not heard of this book. It's funny. My, it's not even my copy of the book, but I put little washi tags throughout it because I wanted to be able to show some of these pages to the uh, Patreon community. So I don't know why I didn't know about it. Maybe it wasn't the right time before. Uh, this ended up being the perfect time. I wish maybe that I had found this book right before I made my 50 before 50 list because this is very different than what I ended up doing. But there's a syncopation to this timing that's really nice. So what is it? It feels like fresh air. It feels happy. It feels like a map like a treasure map, like a scavenger hunt. And all of those are concepts I've talked about. Those are words that have been so integral to my 50 before 50 project, to my mindset this year, to how I am traversing the year and going week to week. This book just fit right in. It chinked into place as if it was meant to be part of this year. So what is it? Well, it's kind of a handbook filled with quotes and aphorisms that are painted and beautifully lettered. It's colorful. The style is fun. It's full of whimsy. From the intro, quote, I remember the eyes I had as a child and how easily they perceived the magic of the world. I remember that I still have those eyes and can still see the magic. And I find again a world of wonders as full of magic now as it has ever been. This is a book that can help you find this truth, this magic in the world, in you. It can help you see when it is hidden, to take hold of it while it is flying by, and to know what to do with it when you've got it. When it is forgotten, this book can remind you that it is still there. This book is a field guide. It is best used in the field under a giant willow tree, in a dew-kissed garden, or on a train ride down the California coast. In its pages, you'll find inspirations of many kinds, things to do, quotes, meditations, and guides to flora and fauna, clouds, and many other things. It will serve you well through many years and many adventures. It is a book meant to be lovingly yet fearlessly used. Throw it in your bag with all the other adventure things or tie it up with string and sling it over your shoulder, write in it, and draw things. Pick green bits and pretty things and keep them inside, pressed between your favorite pages. End quote. So I'm more the make a washi tape tab, fold down a corner, or tear a sliver of paper and tuck it into the edges to mark a page kind of person. But other than that, that's a really good summary, a good call to action, a good overview. On the page next to that intro, a quote from Thoreau takes the whole page. All good things are wild and free. 
It's in blues and browns and greens and golds, leaves and flowers and a butterfly. It's on a subtle grid background. It takes the whole page. This emphasis on these words, these words to live by, these words that fit in with this invocation to look around and soak it all in and embrace it all and enjoy it and see and to be adventurous, to not just sit in your space. This is the style of this book. You turn the page and you get a photo that has been ostensibly washi taped into place like a scrapbook. It's a beautiful landscape scene, clouds, light, golden tones, and the text is the rest of her intro. Quote, in each new day, wherever you may be, there is always waiting for you some beautiful discovery. The more you go in search, the more you find that every day will have at least one moment where the beauty is simply and abundantly clear. In that moment, your eyes will open and the beauty becomes a part of you as you have opened your heart to it. Then you'll find that each day is stitched of such moments. You'll begin to gather these beautiful things and stitch them together yourself, finding life itself a patchwork quilt of beauty. It is waiting to be found, to be made. End quote. And into the book you go. You can flip through the pages taking in the quotes, the ideas, the soothing colors and illustrations. Some pages just have a word, just one word. That word is the piece of art. Wander, gather, savor. Some pages have quotes and that is the work of art, the lettering and illustration of the quote. Some have whimsical lists like, what would you take for a wander lunch? or a list of adventure things. Illustrations like the mountain, forest, and water scene that accompanies the simple quote, Going to the Mountains is Going Home by John Muir. Beautiful. Whimsical. You'll find things like a list of magical places to visit, a list of national forests to explore, and another of national seashores. As you turn pages, you'll see invocation to daydream under giant sequoias quote, hike the Appalachian Trail, end quote, or quote, stay in a yurt on the ocean, end quote, take a cross-country trip, or drive down Highway 1 with the windows open, explore Big Sur, get lost in an unfamiliar town, and there's a list of suggested towns. Something about this felt like it could easily be someone's year list or a life list. And if I turn that around, I think about what my list would look like illustrated. The list, separate from the doing. The list, illustrating the list itself. That's a tantalizing thought. And I didn't know it until I hit it in getting ready for today, until I actually saw myself say, oh, wow, I could just illustrate my list. I'm actually illustrating the doing of my list, but it's also embedded in this bigger journal that it's kind of dense but I could have just illustrated the list and I still could. I still could. And what a fun project that would be totally different. It would force me to do something totally different. Okay. I'm really kind of jazzed just about that thought, that line of thought. Thank you, Katie Daisy. I didn't even realize that was going to be part of this, I didn't realize that's what I was missing. 
So the book goes on, take a full moon hike. And I love the illustration of that page. There are tree and leaf illustrations, mushrooms, moths and edible plants, flowers, birds, wildflowers, bird calls, clouds, constellations. And in this way, this book does relate back to nature anatomy a bit, but they're very different in style, completely different overall. They feel different. I think the objective is different. Find a field of dandelions, make a hundred wishes. I love that page. A quote, stay close to anything that makes you glad you are alive. And on the facing page, a list that you assume is her list of those things. And what a good idea to make a list of those things, to make endless lists that help us categorize our worlds, our comfort zones, our memories, our hopes and wishes. Some of you have done the month-long list project with me before. There are a few assorted projects mixed in. Wildflower crown, make lavender simple syrup, make a mandala, strawberry pie. Quote, stand in the middle of an open meadow or field. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. Open your eyes to the sky, stretch your arms wide and exclaim, I am alive. Don't worry, the prairie will never judge you and the wildflowers will stand in reverence of your bravery, end quote. And then near the end, quote, sketch in an outdoor cafe with a cup of chamomile tea. And that, of course, is one of my favorite drawings in this book, back in the urban scheme of things. But I so enjoyed this collection, this tribute to wide skies and fresh air and moonlit nights and paths to wander. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. There is something, simple is not the right word, but pure. There's something pure and happy and optimistic and uplifting to this kind of book. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the way it encourages you to think, to think differently about what you do and how you see and what you plan. I enjoyed this tribute to wide skies and fresh air and moonlit nights and paths to wander. I'll put links in the show notes for the Carrie Smith shows. They aren't all available. I've talked about her a number of times, but I know two are. Episode 232 is about the Wander Society, which was a book that I really enjoyed. And episode 222 is about be an explorer of the world. Both of those came to mind when I was looking at this. So I hope you will think about those too. And I took a quick look just to see because, like I said, I know others of you know about Katie Daisy and her art, and I assume this book. There might be other books. I don't know. She's obviously got a whole bunch of things licensed with her art, calendars, maybe planners or journals. So there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. But I don't know for sure if there's another book. I wasn't able to sort that out quickly enough to say. But if you just know her art and haven't looked at this book as a thing, then check it out. See if your library has it. I think you'll enjoy it. Get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Sit in your chair and just take a little bit of quiet time and flip through it. I think you'll really like it a lot. I am the art. The art is me. So that is it for today. I am looking at the length and thinking, oh dear, oh dear. You know, a long time ago, these shows were an hour, hour and a half. 
they were different. I was different. And it didn't seem like such an issue. I feel like this one might be an issue. And I'm already kind of cringing that I talked to you about postage and about pennies. I definitely, yeah. So I will go ahead and give you the word now. And this word comes from this book. There's an illustration in this book. So I'm going to give you this word. I haven't used it before. Today's word is turtle. So today's word is turtle. And thank you to those of you who show up with the words. You know who you are. There are just a few of you. But it is so special when you pop in and you've either illustrated it or tucked it into your journal, oftentimes in very subtle ways. Or you send me a message and just say the word. Or some of you have said the word to me at Instagram. I feel like I hear from you in all these different ways, which is this really nice kaleidoscopic thing happening. So I really appreciate it. It just lets me know that you're out there and that you made it this far that for whatever reason, I don't have a huge audience. We know that. But I have some of you who have continued to listen for years. And that means the world. That means the world. I don't know if you would actually continue to have coffee with me every week for years. I don't know. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Show notes are available on the Creativity Matters Podcast website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. And thank you to those of you who support the show at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. Your belief in what I do and your support of what I do, it is invaluable and it does mean a great deal. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>